Ah, he's so good. Um, pray too for uh, the people in Ukraine. Yes. Um, and and uh, you know, Russia looks like the bad guys, but some of those those people that are that are in the Russian army and air force, they're they're Christians as well. And, and we can't forget them. They look like the bad guys, but they're, they're trying to follow orders. And, um, but, but coming out of COVID and, and into something like that, you know, um, seeing your neighbors like actually gunned down before you or blowing up or having to hide in a little cellar. And it's just a terrible, terrible time for them. Yeah. <sighs> Like we feel hard done by because of COVID here, and, and rightly so. But, but oh, there's, there's nothing like war. Yeah, we'll, we'll pray. That's good. Why, why don't you come and pray, Christine? She had this good idea, and now she's got to back it up. <laughs> well, there's agreement in prayer. Yeah. So, Father, even this morning, I read an announcement that Russia is being pushed toward a third world war. <clears throat> and, Lord, we can't even imagine how devastating that would be. And it's just as Pastor Randy said, Lord, we're here and we're dealing with our own things. And it seems rough at times. And yet, how, how, could, how would we do if we were over there enduring what they are enduring right now. And so, God, we ask you, especially for your people involved in this crisis, in that nation and surrounding nations, people that are afraid, Lord, I pray for your peace to dwell in their hearts. Lord, those that, that have been, um, they've lost family members, Lord, I pray that their faith would be stronger still. And I pray, Lord, that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior in the midst of this terrible trial that is, that is happening right now. And Lord, there are world leaders that, that could cut in and do some and, and really help. And then there are others that just want the destruction. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray you as Lord over all, you would work your righteousness into those people the people that are hurting right now, but the people that are also making decisions right now and those that will affect the nations and, and where this, this battle is going. Father, I pray that you would work righteousness and goodness into those whose hearts could receive what you have for them. Father, I pray for salvations. We just ask God that you would release your angels to protect where they are needed to protect, Lord, and to give hope where people need hope and to let people rise up in faith as we would want to rise up in faith. Lord, help us. Help us to remember them in prayer and help us to, to fight the good fight here in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well done. Thank you. Um, I, I read that 71% of the Ukrainian population declares that they are Christian. Wow. Praise the 
yeah. Um, it's way less than that in Canada. <laughs> uh, it's happening soon. Yeah. It says that uh, he himself is our peace. Jesus himself. And what the world needs is peace. Not, not an absence of conflict. Though that would be nice. But the presence of the Most High. We need, we need his presence. And that peace that he left us. Uh, in order to navigate this world. Yeah. Yeah. Different time. Um, Tiny, thank you for sharing exciting stuff. That, that was very good. Um, uh, Tiny was saying he went up to uh, Alert Bay with um, uh, Paul de Gagne. He'll be with us uh, March 13th. He's going he's to speak to us. He's prophetic uh, and, and uh, it's a wonderful way of looking at Scripture that I enjoy. <laughs> and so I think you'll enjoy him. And next week we have David Cliff, who was with us a number of times. Uh, during the COVID season, uh, early on, as we were uh, meeting as a a um, support group, yeah. uh, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry said that we could we could meet, or that that it was okay for NA or groups like NA and AA to meet during that season. So we started a new group, uh, <laughs> Uh, CA, Christians Anonymous, <laughs> and, and uh, he was with us a number of those days, and it was, it was rich, uh, the teaching he has. He just finished the book that he threatened to bring here, <laughs> uh, so he's going to bring it this uh, next Sunday and, and uh, show it off, so uh, it should be good. It's, it, it turned out to be a workbook, and so uh, save your... your um, your pop bottles and cash them in on Saturday and then you can buy a book on Sunday. <laughs> God is so good. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I, I love what God does. I, I, you know, well, the, the, the management style, if you, if you would, if we call it that, of, of our church is, is that... Um, we trust that God will speak to individuals in ministry with what they need for the, the time. Uh, it, they don't all have to follow the dictates of the, the, uh, the CEO of the church, the chief executive officer. You know, I, I don't put a, a format in place and say, well, this Sunday you've got to have songs that say this and this and this because that's what I'm preaching on. But you know, he does that. <laughs> he speaks to the worship leader and gives her songs that, <laughs> that coincide with what I got during the week, you know. And so uh, we're, we're tuned into the same station, heavenly station, because there is so much more happening in the heavenlies than we see. Absolutely. But little by little, we're seeing more and more as we go along. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful picture that Tiny got about the, the stars and the rainbow. And, ooh. That was exciting. <laughs> um, so Bonnie was, Bonnie was singing uh, at one point uh, in the spirit about uh, show us your glory. And uh, just so happens that that's one of the things I want to talk about today. 
So were you looking over my shoulder when I was preparing? I <laughs> uh, want to read from 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 12. Actually, go right into chapter 4 and verse 3, let's say. So 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Now, I'll talk to you about that in, in a few minutes. Let's just... Let's talk, let me talk about it right now. <laughs> Moses, when he went to the, the mountain to, to receive from the Lord the, uh, the Ten Commandments that we, you know, we know them as the Ten Commandments, uh, he was in the presence of the Lord, and, and his face was so bright that the, the the people asked like just being just radiating reflecting the the brilliance of the lord that people asked for him to put a covering over his face because it was too bright they couldn't look at him much like the way the moon reflects the sun's brilliance <laughs> moses was reflecting the brilliance of the the God that he was with. What this is referring to, and you could, you could read that earlier in 2 Corinthians, what this is referring to is that as, as he spent time there, uh, it started to fade, <laughs> the, the brilliance of the shininess of his face. And so he wore a veil so that you know, people weren't focused on that, <laughs> that he could still lead. And Moses, you're not as bright as you were yesterday, you know. No man likes to be told that. <laughs> Verse 14, I want to start again. Um, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, now Paul is uh, writing this in the first century A.D. Um, uh, I, I still call it A.D., not the common era. But, um, he, so, so this is within 40 to 60 years of, of when uh, Jesus was walking around. Um, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Hallelujah. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have to uh, uh, travel to Ontario for freedom. <laughs> Our freedom is in Him. And we all, 
And I'm not criticizing anybody that went. That's, that, that's not it. It's just, it's just the freedom that we seek is here in him. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. There it is, the glory of the Lord. Show us your glory. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From glory to glory is what, what other translations say. Being, being changed from glory to glory. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Oh, that's so rich. Just makes my heart leap. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We don't want those anymore. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Hmm. So the, the reference there is that, you know, when, when Kim and, and uh, Deborah and Denise go out and, and they're, they're, they're speaking to people about the gospel, they're, <laughs> the gospel is veiled to those people. And, and, it, and it requires a, a heart that is opened to God and having Jesus come to, to open that veil, to lift that veil it refers to here. In what we just read, there are seven, the, the word veil is used seven times. And, and veil is such, a, such an interesting word. It's it's such an interesting word to us today because we have, for the last two years, all of us been wearing veils of a sort. Yeah. We, we've been masked. <laughs> and we, we understand what veils are about a little. But Jacob. Jacob worked seven years so that he could marry... Excuse me. The, the woman of his dreams. He could marry her, and, and so they got married, and it says that uh, uh, when he lifted the veil, he found that it was not his intended. It was Leah, her sister, her older sister. Um, it says that, that like in, in some references some ways of looking at it. it said she had beautiful eyes Leah had beautiful eyes some say she had cross-eyed but it depends on how you take the word but I think she had beautiful eyes and I think that if she had a veil on he would it was probably the same eyes that his beloved had what it's referring to in that situation is is not actually a veil lifting a veil it was it was um, that she had never been with a man before. And that was what uh, the lifting of the veil refers to. But you, you go into that in your own. 
Not doing that this morning. So that's in Genesis 29 if you want to read about it. <sighs> veils, veils have been used uh, in, in lots of forms over the course of time. The Romans used veils, the Greeks used veils, the, the Egyptians used veils. They're still used in the Middle East many times by, by different cultures just to cover uh, the face of, of mostly women. Um, but the idea is that it, it stops there being any kind of intimacy, any kind of real knowledge of who this person is. You can't see their countenance. You can't see their face. You can't, you can't, you can't kiss them with satisfaction, you know, like uh, taking a shower with a, with a raincoat on. You know, it's, it's that kind of, it just isn't satisfying this. If you kissed a, through a veil, you, if you, and, and, and sometimes, you know, veils were used more often in the, in the 50s and 60s, but they're coming back sometimes in wedding ceremonies. But the, the veil is lifted by the bridegroom. And he sees his bride, and he can kiss his bride because there is nothing in between them. And it's such a beautiful picture. What a joy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a glorious time for the bridegroom and for the bride because, because the significance is I am my beloved's and he is mine. That's out of Psalm, Song of Psalms. Solomon, sorry. And um, veils are, are, are meant for a purpose, and they, they serve their purpose really well. Um, they protect and they keep. Uh, the masks, whether you like them or not, they have convinced many people that they're being protected during this time, that, that uh, they can hide behind a veil and uh, a veil of a mask, and, and not partake in uh, the sickness that's going around in the world. But I think some of that is because they are hidden by a veil of fear. But that's, you'll have to refer to some other sermons that I've preached <laughs> about that. So Moses, let's get down to Moses and what, what, what it was referring to there in, as we began to read the passage. Moses had gone to be with God. Moses, uh, in God's presence, his, his, his face was illuminated. The brightness of his being was too much for, for people to look at. Now, Moses, knowing God, knowing him so well, ask God, show me your glory. The very thing that Bonnie was singing this morning. Show us your glory. Well, God had to take Moses and put him in, a, it says the cleft of a rock, a little crag, a little place where he was protected and you know, nothing could get at him uh, from either side or the back. And, 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 and God said, I will go before you and, and show you my glory. And he put his hand over Moses' face as he passed by until 
he had almost passed by, and, and, and he, was, he was looking, when, when he took the, his hand away, Moses was able to see the backside of God, if you would. <laughs> the, uh, not his face. And, and even that was overwhelming to him. But you know, do you know what God said about, about that? He said, I will show you my goodness. That's the part of his glory that he was showing Moses. My goodness. That's all you can handle is my goodness. And, and we're left with his goodness as people of God. We, we are left with, with getting to understand the goodness of God. Because that's what he's chosen to show us. And he is so good. I shared something with people that were on time this morning. I'm not going to reiterate it. have to talk to somebody that was on time. <laughs> but Moses had two problems here. When he came down from the mountain, he was so bright that it was too much for the people to see. And so he, he had to be veiled in some way or another. We, we don't know what substance the veil was made of, whether it was tightly woven, woven um, uh, lace or, or an animal intestine or, you know, or a bit of his robe. Who, who knows? That doesn't matter. The fact is that he had to be covered in some way. Now this is um, Transfiguration Sunday in the church calendar. Right, as we <laughs> that that that's why I'm talking about this. But <laughs> um, Transfiguration Sunday was uh, the Peter, James, and John went up a mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. Odd name for the day uh, for when Jesus was transfigured. <laughs> um, they're the up there, and and Jesus being in the direct presence of the Father, was transfigured into this glorious light. And, and Moses and Elijah joined him there, and they too were, were bright. It was, the brightness of their being was so overwhelming that the, the apostles were slain in the Spirit, so to speak. They and and Peter said, "Hey, let us build you some churches here. You know, like let us build tabernacles for you and for Elijah and Moses." And Jesus would have none of it. But the the picture is the presence of God, the glory of God was there in such a way that the brightness of His being was was shown on shone on those three individuals. And it was too much for mere human eyes to look at. Moses had that same, that same problem when he came down the mountain. But being down the mountain and being among the people and, and hearing the problems of the people and, and um, um, being about the business of the people, his brightness began to dissipate, fade. And so he had his second problem was, I don't want people to see this. It becomes distracting. 
So he, he put a veil over his face again. Now our, our question is, is, uh, is your, does your life reflect a current brilliance of God because of what you sought him out with today? Have you something bright today or are you living in faded glory? What God has done in my past. I know what he did then and all the stories are then. And it's so important to have something from today. The stories and the testimonies are huge. And, and we, we, we sometimes end up living there, but, but it's in faded glory to live in that until God renews it again, until, until it becomes fresh. Now, I, I purposefully don't tell stories regularly about what, you know, the things that we've seen over the years and experienced with God over the years, because I want it to be about him and his wonder, not, not, oh, you guys did that, you guys, and I don't want any possibility of that normally. But, but it's so easy to rest in that place. I, w- I want to be driven always toward fresh manna for today. Always the presence of God for today. And, and Bonnie was bringing that a little bit for us today. The presence of God. It was beautiful. Back in, um, I'm going to break my own rule. <laughs> um, back when the Toronto Blessing was happening, um, Christine went out to see it and experience it. And she came back and was so excited that, that I had to go. <laughs> she, she was so bright and, and bubbly. And, uh, and I went and it changed my life. To have a physical experience with the God who loved me. I came back in love with God in an entirely new way. And, and I have been driven by that ever since for two reasons. One, I want to experience it again. And the second one is I want you to experience it. That love of God that, that just, it was an electrical charge that was pulsating through my body for two hours. Just, I couldn't handle his presence. And I came away with a love for him and a a knowing that I was loved. Like it wasn't something that I pursued. It was a gift that he gave to me. And and we started to have some meetings and, and we lived at that time in a uh, um, 1,100 square foot cottage. Uh, and so we, we said we're going to have a meeting one night and we didn't advertise or anything, but, but in this 1,100 square foot cottage, 100 people showed up. Wow. We had to move the furniture out onto the lawn <laughs> so that everybody could be in there. And, and there were healings and there was deliverances and there was... There was people that experienced God in a powerful way for the very first time. A wonderful theologian that, that I have grown to know and love uh, visited us at that time. His name is uh, Dr. Peter Davids. And he wanted to experience what was happening there. And I don't know where all, everybody came from, but there was, 
there's this hundred people hungry for God. And it was so exciting. Now help me put the furniture back in later. So that was nice. <laughs> That's how much God can touch people. <laughs> it was a powerful time. Just being in the presence of God. And, and everything since then is, is kind of a faded glory in, in my, my heart. It's so good to experience just the edge of his glory. Just to touch it. Oh, is this going to be the Sunday? Oh, <laughs> I want it so badly. I want it for the, the relationship that comes out of it for his people. Yeah. I want you to know, to know that love, to not, to not make it a religious ritual. I have to go to church to be, I get to go to church. What's he going to be doing this week? This is, this is so much fun. This is better than TV. You know? <laughs> this is great. And, and that's what I hope for, is that he would be glorified in such a way that his glory would fill the room. Because it will, <laughs> it will change everything. <laughs> But Paul talks about some other things here. He talks about veiled minds. And he talks about the veil being a real thing. But he talks about it also metaphorically about the children of Israel. They, the people came out of Egypt with an understanding of the old covenant. And um, they cannot be persuaded out of this thing, even today. Paul says, even today, for 2,000 years ago. But even today, 2,000 years later, you cannot talk to someone who worships the old covenant, the God of the old covenant, let me say. I'm not belittling anything here. Um, but anybody that is, is, is set in that... It's, it, you cannot remove that veil because only Jesus, the bridegroom, can lift the veil from his bride. As each part of the bride, each person accepts him. And in that, we see the old covenant for what it really is. It's, 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 it's a beautiful <laughs> foundation. But the gospel of grace is so much, so much bigger and so much more like the God that we get to know. His heart, his goodness. The old covenant can be harsh if you don't understand the heart of him who, who wrote it through the Holy Spirit. But once you get to know him, once the veil is removed and the words become, become enlightened to you, it is completely different. Accepting Jesus into your heart throws a switch that, that allows the veil to be removed and you're able to see things differently. And, and 
The Apostle Paul is talking about that with the Corinthians here. The veil is removed from those who, who know him. Those who have experienced him. Ah, thank you, Lord. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the, the veil in the temple. That, that was huge, but that allowed us to have access, intimacy again. Like the, the picture of a veil is so important. That veil, that, that curtain that was in the temple stopped the people of God from experiencing the intimacy of a good God, a God that loved his people so that only once a year one person could go in and they were so afraid that <laughs> they would die that they didn't get to experience the wonder of who he was in there. But the veil upon Jesus' death was, was torn in two from the top to the bottom. So the picture is that God himself had to do the tearing. And it, was, it, was, it depends on how you read the measurements and whatnot. It was somewhere between 6 and 18 inches thick, this veil. Like no human being could ever rip that veil. Tightly woven <laughs> curtain. But the veil being torn, being opened, allowed an intimacy that had not been experienced by people in the past and allowed access to the very presence of God Almighty anytime, anywhere, right now. And we, for 2,000 years, have been able to do that. And yet there is still a fear to, for many to, to, to try and get to that place of intimacy with him. What he wanted most was to be intimate with us. And he paid the ultimate price for that intimacy. And sometimes we, because we received it without without an um, out-of-pocket cost, it sometimes seems to have decreased value to us. The value of being able to talk to God anytime, anywhere, is immense. And it is so, so wonderful. He is so good and so delightful. So that intimacy is, is what it's all about. And, and the veil has been removed. Um, in the, in, in the, the context of this new unveiled reality, we can now continue our ministry, Paul writes. We do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that are hidden. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we contend to ourselves that the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. We commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. 
we do not lose heart. And I, I have to tell you, confession time, um, there have been times over this last two years where I, I felt I was losing heart. Where it didn't look like God was victorious. In my personal life, um, you, you all know the, the stuff that we've been through. And, and in the way of the world with this COVID thing, I was expecting him to, to somehow ride in on his white charger as the... <laughs> the victorious king, you know. And, and I wasn't seeing it. And so I was tempted to lose heart. But what, what made a difference for me was the ministry of the gospel. I have to prepare every week with an open heart, not having any, anything against anyone so that I can preach to you. Because if I, if I hold a uh, hatred in my heart, or fear in my heart, or uh, judgment in my heart, it will, not, it will not flow to you. It will dribble down onto the, the floor here. You'll see a puddle right in front of me. <laughs> I had to come to him with, with an open heart. And in that, he would fill it. As... As I was losing heart in myself, he was filling my heart with his. And, and, and it, th that has brought us through this time, brought me through this time. And, and through that, I've been able to, to bring messages. And, and I, think, I think some of them have been life-changing, if you were listening. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but... And I, I don't mean that about, it's not about me, it's about him. Like, if it's good, it's his. If it's bad, I did it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, but we can so easily lose heart. And I'll tell you that, that fear puts a veil over people's minds as much as any, as much as any, Physical veil can. Fear will, will stop us from hearing anything of the truth. No matter how much evidence, no matter how much um, uh, power there is, no matter visual or, or physical experiencing, fear becomes a, uh, a veil to stop intimacy. It's, it's a way to reject what's being presented to me. And, and that has come over almost all the world yeah. during this last two years. You cannot move people off what they originally took in and received when the fear was being driven into them. And, and uh, we're going to need God to remove that veil. Absolutely. To remove that veil of fear. It is a physical <laughs> veil it's not, it's not a metaphor. It's a, there is a physical veil that must be removed from people to hear the gospel, the truth, and, and to see what's going on in this day. 
one way or the other. You know, I, I may have a, a veil over my heart in the way I look at some things. Uh, I'm, I'm open to that. But I don't want any veils. And I don't want to lose heart. I don't want to be in a place where I can't move ahead because, because the fear is so, is so gripping me. And I don't want you all to be in that place either. A place of fear. Whatever it is we fear. Fear can come from things in our past. Trauma is, is fear that, that what happened before is going to happen again. And I may, I may come close to losing my life again or might actually lose my life. You know, there's a, a thing about trauma that does that. It's, it's an important time for us as people to, to draw near to him and to have that intimacy and to be about the things that he's, he's paid for. To, to hear his voice and, and to be about his business. It's important for us at this time. My, my regular routines drew me back regularly when I was losing heart. Up every morning early before the house is up so that I could be with him. Reading my word, praying, doing the stuff. It, it draws me back. I could have lost heart. I could have lost heart if, if God had not prepared me in his goodness for this day. And it's just his goodness that does that. Randy, mm. we're no different than Job. We're no different than Paul, the apostle, Stephen, the disciple. We're all believing God by faith. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, we, we are human, just like um, Stephen says there, um, just like Job and Paul and Stephen the disciple, uh, we are human, uh, and we, we must have faith, but, but, but there is an experiencing of his presence that, that, is, that is a moving into the, the Holy of Holies. Like we can, by faith, go to the outer court and have an experience of God like all of those ones did. Well, Job maybe not because he was before the temple or the tabernacles. But that's where they experienced God was in the outer court. He has paid for a way for us to go not just in the outer court but into the holy place and then to the holy of holies. There's kind of two different levels there and I can teach that all some some other day it'll take hours so <laughs> but but he he's paid for us to be that much more intimate with him and so in those ways we are in a place beyond um what some of those guys would have experienced we and for those who have received much much is required there is responsibility on us because we've received all of this wonderful gift to take advantage of it and to give it away. It's an amazing thing. We do not lose heart. How easy it's been 
during the past 24 months to lose heart. Our way of life has been radically altered, but we do not lose heart. We continue to work in the vineyards of the Lord as those that have been unveiled and can see, as in a mirror, the irrefutable glory of God. So this morning as we, as we close, we'll have people up here to pray because uh, we have people that, that uh, have arranged for teams to be here. It's so wonderful. But if you feel like you're living in the glory of former years, if you feel like the, the glory has faded somewhat in your life and you've settled for that and that's just where you live now, there is more. And come and pray with people that will take you to that place. If you have never had the experience of the veil being removed and being able to see the, the words of the, the covenant become alive to you and speak to your heart, to have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come and have someone pray with you and take you to that place. Jesus is the difference. The bridegroom that will lift the veil off of his bride for intimacy purposes. It's a beautiful picture. And it's available for us all. Don't, don't walk away from here thinking, oh, next week or the week after, oh, there's lots of time. Mr. Putin is threatening us with nuclear bombs. <laughs> I don't know how much time is left. Some people say years. Some people say any day. Why take a chance? Why not get it done today? And enjoy it along the way. There is so much available to us here on this side of glory. <laughs> glory land. Why not take advantage of it now and here? Because it's available. Let's stand and pray together. Jesus, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Savior, friend, master, brother. So many ways we look at you. But today on Transfiguration Sunday, we know that we would not be able to look at you in all of your glory. For the brightness would, would sear our eyes like looking at the sun during an eclipse. We would need special glasses or veils over our eyes to look at the physical sun. And we would need avail to look at you in your glory. The Lord, this morning we're talking about veils and as, as our brother Paul 
wrote to us in the second Corinthians you are the one that can remove the veil so that we can experience that intimacy the intimacy uh, of knowing that you're there all the time as we breathe your name to know you uh, Lord would you would you touch hearts and, and ignite a hunger for a, a, a new glory to see your glory now and here in this, in this time and this place we pray for your glory to descend upon churches all around us that they would have such a problem Lord what do we do there's too many people for our church <laughs> bless them with that Lord that your glory would, would, would draw all men unto you. Thank you for your glory. And thank you, Lord, that I've touched a, a bit of it. That we've all touched just the edges of it. But there is so much more for us. Draw us into that place. Let us know more and more of you. The wonder of who you are. Lord Jesus, if there's anyone that needs an, an encouragement this morning... Draw them up to the front and let them pray with someone about those things. And then inhabit those prayers and, and lift the veils that need to be lifted. If there are veils of fear or, or uh, intimidation here, let them be lifted as well, Lord. If there are, are veils that keep us from intimacy of, of unmet prayers that we see, lift those things this morning, Lord. For, for enduring pain and sickness. They, they create a veil between us. Because we lose heart at those times, Lord. We cannot be at the place where we lose heart. So would you lift those veils. Bring your healing. Bring your glory, Lord. You are so amazing. We look to you in this. Thank you, Lord. Touch the hearts of your people this morning, Lord with the wonder of who you are and the desire and hunger for more of you. Thank you, Jesus, for today. We bless you for each one at home or here because, because each of them move with your love and your presence. You're so good. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. amen.